Hey folks, and welcome to the Typology Podcast, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner. Before we go any further, I want to introduce the host of our show, Ian Cron. Ian, how are you doing? I am doing very well, all considering. Um, I got a house full of kids and their dogs and uh, a new office space um, in which to do our work. And uh, so I'm excited and feeling uh, feeling good about life. I noticed you're in a new space today, uh, and I see a I think what I, is a Dove Award back there on the shelf. Is that you can what that see is? That? <laughs> oh, now that's a little embarrassing. I am going to move that. That's that's apparently my unconscious three wing doing its work. I, I think uh, we can a little three wing action. Yeah, a little three wing action. <laughs> Talk about. Talk about making it look like I want everyone to know I have one of those, um, uh, which I do, which I do. But anyway, right. but not, not, not on the podcast. <laughs> and that might be a little foreshadowing for what's to come today. But um, yeah. hey, before we go any further, uh, we're really excited to let you all know that we are moving to YouTube. We will still continue to podcast on all of our platforms, such as Apple and Spotify. But now you can also watch our conversations over on YouTube. Just go to the YouTube uh, and subscribe to Ian's channel, which is YouTube slash C slash I M C R O N. And you can just actually Google Ian Morgan Cron YouTube and it'll pop up as well. So make sure you do that. Super excited about that. And Ian, uh, why don't you let our folks know about our special offer on the IEQ nine? I will, but first yeah. I, I want to say this watching the show is an entirely different experience. Yeah. Um, because, you know, as a therapist, you know, you, you really can't do therapy over the phone very well because you, you don't see the body language. You don't see the eyes. You don't, you don't see the person stopping to look off into the distance. You, mm. And I'm just telling you, you pick up on the energy, the body energy of different types. You can see it in the way they sit, the way they think. You can, so you learn so much more about each type by watching the show, actually, than by, if, if, you, if you can only do it on Spotify and Apple, of course, that's fantastic, you know. Uh, but when you get opportunity to, to watch it on, on YouTube, subscribe to that channel because I'm telling you, it's a whole different experience. I'm thrilled with it. Totally agree. I think it's going to be really fun and enjoyable and informative for our audience. So Yeah. And now, if you aren't sure of your type, by the way, and you, you just want a concise, in-depth, information-rich report specific to your type, I want to encourage you to go to ianmorgancron.com slash assessment. And if you put in the code EP, like Edward Peter, 2020, you'll get a 20% discount off our IEQ9 assessment. Of course, you could go to my website, Ian Morgan Cron, and you would also see a tab right. for the IEQ9 assessment. Fantastic. So make sure y'all check that out. And Ian, do you want to talk about our guest a little bit? Holy smoke. We just had the most amazing conversation with Molly Fletcher. Molly is the uh, a remarkable force of nature. Um, her CV is amazing. She was the most successful uh, sports agent, um, I think of all time. I mean, you look at her list of clients and it's, it's, uh, it's pretty extraordinary what she's accomplished in life. Um, she is a, a three on the Enneagram. Now, we, we had her on seven months ago and we were uncertain uh, of her type at the time. And we kind of did a typing interview and kind of narrowed it down to a three or an eight. And I said, okay, well, look, I can't tell you your type, but I want, I want you to go home and kind of read up on those two, confirm that you're a three or an eight. I was pretty sure it was a three, but, uh, and then come back in seven months and let's see what you've learned. And this conversation is such a incredible really contrast to where we began uh, the journey with her. And she's a great human being. I want to begin with a quote uh, about that I, I use with threes that describe their predicament, I think in a way. It's from Christine Fian. Um, she says, the real question is, can you love the real me? Not that image you had of me, uh -huh. but who I really am. 
That's a three question. That's beautiful. It's really at the heart of the three. And in this conversation, you'll hear echoes of that theme running throughout and, and she's funny and it's dynamic mm -hmm. and there's a lot of laughter and a lot of learning to be had. So with no further ado, let's get to our interview with Molly Fletcher. Molly Fletcher, welcome back to Typology. It's a pleasure to be with both of you again. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good to see ya. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this podcast. You're the, the second guest I've had of the many who came on their first episode kind of tentative about what their type was. And then we narrowed it down, I think, to three and eight. I think we were kind of bouncing back and forth between three and eight. And as is always the case, um, an Enneagram teacher uh, doesn't ever type another person. Our job is to actually launch somebody on a journey of self-discovery. So what we might say is something like, gosh, you know, go through all nine types, but when you get to the chapter on threes and eights, pay particular attention to see if either of those, because there's some of that energy going on, right? And I think we, we, we were kind of leaning into three at the yeah. end of that, of that episode. Um, and I'm just curious... Do you think you're a three now, seven months later? I do. And I, I think on the last one, I, I told you about how I took my laptop to a movie uh, with my kids. Yes. Because I was roped into bringing them to a movie. And I told you guys that I, because I am always, you know, sort of, a, 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 I, I think a clean and clear three. I told you I took my, my laptop and you guys went, you're, you're a three, you're for sure a three. You're three. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've kind of locked in on, uh, on that lane, man. So have you had a chance to kind of do a little research on threes or learn more about threes? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I have the book, right? The, the Wisdom of the Enneagram. And um, so I've, I've read it a few times, particularly the section on threes. Um, and you know, it's just, I just am such a fan of this kind of work and I'm such a fan of the Enneagram, uh, just because I think it's, it's just one of the best out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've, uh, I've read through it and, you know, this COVID deal has, uh, caused me to, and required me at some level to learn how to relax. So maybe that was God's way of jamming relaxation into my life, uh, mm. for a three. Yeah, so tell me as a three how this surreal season of quarantine, how has it been a help and a challenge for you as a three? You just mentioned one help, but maybe more. Well, I mean, so I spend, you know, normally 50 to 60 days a year traveling to large events. Somebody asked me that the other day there. How's this, how's this COVID deal impacted your your business. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I make a living traveling around a large event speaking, <laughs> flying on airplanes. So, uh, you know, in a matter of about two weeks, you know, I took, you know, I, I watched tons and tons of keynotes get moved and rescheduled and changed or some went virtual, um, all that. So, so that was, you know, interesting, but it's amazing how things work. I mean, March or February, late February, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer mm -hmm. and she was in uh, Alabama. Uh, they live in Michigan, but I live in Atlanta. And so at first, when all these keynotes started pulling off my calendar, I thought, this is such a gift. I mean, this is amazing. Not realizing candidly how long this would last. I thought, this mm -hmm. is amazing. I've got all this bandwidth now to completely lean into my mom and drive this for she's 78 years old. And she wanted to have all the procedures and everything done in Atlanta. So, you know, I think, I don't know if it's the nature of a three or, or what, but to me, it was a, an, an unbelievable blessing because I was able to truly, you know, lean into her for almost two months and navigate this whole journey, which ended with a mastectomy. And, you know, it was significant. She's doing great. Um, but that matters to me a lot, uh, being mm. able to sort of give back to her and my dad. So there was so many blessings in it. And I guess I've tried to lean into those. Um, you know, I, I, I looked at my husband the other day and I said, I, you know, I knew you were it, but 
you're it. Like we're going to have fun when, mm. when, you know, these girls are in college and we're together. I mean, we have a lot of fun. And so uh, I, I love my family and I, I've, I've really enjoyed this time. Uh, you know, I, I mean, three teenage daughters, 16, 16 and 17. And it's such, you know, when will I get this kind of time like this? I mean, normally we're racing around to sporting events and extracurricular activity and I'm on and off of airplanes, you know, eight to 20 times a month. I mean, you know what I mean? So I guess I've tried to lean into all the gifts. I mean, from a, from a business perspective too, I think the more quickly you adapt and serve your customers, uh, the shorter at some level this uh, may last, right? I think the more you adapt, it may only last six months, eight months, right? I think the less you're able to adapt and serve your customers and meet them wherever they are, the, the longer you might feel this. So I'm trying to, to, to be creative and adapt as much as we can to support our customers in any way we can. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about threes is um, one of their great powers is they are very adaptable to new environments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a textbook characteristic of threes. And um, one of the dangers is, is if they have a team that works with them who are different types than they mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. they can become impatient. It, it's because they expect the team to function at the same level that they did when things were normal because the three is doing so great. I mean, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. you know, and has, mm-hmm. because, and you're more adaptable. So I'm always telling threes, you know, be, be gentle with your team because they, they, they are in a new normal with kids at home and doing things and they may not be as adaptable as you are. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, and for two of the girls on my team, they're, they're single with no kids. Um, so, but one has young children and, um, and you know, you, you, when I listen to things or you see as much as, as an owner, we're feeling the financial impacts of COVID, but you're also trying to, to your point, be gentle on your team and, and support and serve them in this time. Because it's funny, I heard somebody say like early when this was all happening, um, your, your people are probably more scared than you. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, wow, interesting. Okay. And it really helped me say, I've got to reassure them that they're okay and we're okay and their jobs are safe and they may change their roles. May, we may need to lean into some new things inside of this change, but I love you and we're going to stay together and we're going to get through this together. Um, that was helpful to hear from someone uh, so that I could try to lean in and support them. Mm-hmm. So here you are, you're an achiever, you're a performer, you are adapting to new realities, new environments. My hunch is, is that you are thinking to yourself, okay, so what does this new reality make possible? What new opportunities does it afford us that we didn't have before? Right. And maybe we were just running on autopilot, doing our thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we've had a great disruption. What, what new uh, opportunities are out there? And um, if you really are a three, you'll know the fastest route to getting to the best new opportunities that are available. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that what you're seeing happening? It's amazing that you say that. Yeah. I mean, you know, so we deliver negotiation training. Um, and I would say... 60% of the time it's delivered live. Um, and so we've leaned into just really mastering the virtual delivery of that product mm-hmm. um, for people. And that's been fantastic. And I have coaches that deliver that training. Well, my coaches are on the road, road more than me. They're terrific uh, individuals who deliver and travel and, you know, deliver 15 to 20 programs a year. I mean, a month, I'm sorry, a month. So all of a sudden my coaches worlds came to a screeching halt and they're brilliant people and they have tremendous perspective and a ton of bandwidth. And so it was an opportunity to say, wow, how can we lean in together to make this product even better uh, from a virtual perspective? And we're also uh, leaning into building um, another program um, together. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I think, 
uh, finding maybe who now has some bandwidth that, that you didn't, that they didn't maybe have before and how can you tap into that for the greater good of everybody? Um, we're certainly leaning into and, and, you know, having the time in the space, I mean, as you know, um, you know, for, for me, focus is hard. It's hard for me to focus. I mean, I don't know that I'm diagnosed as ADHD, but I, I gotta tell you, I gotta be really close, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and my mom said, we had you tested, honey. You're not, but I tell you, um, so th there's been so many gifts in that I've got, you know, I'm not running from one thing to the next so much. So I do feel like I'm able to do, you know, as Cal Newport talks about some deeper work and focus a little bit better, uh, which has been nice. I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. yeah. So that's been a, that's been a gift in, in this. So today I was looking at the titles of all your books and I, I was thinking, that if someone told me these titles and asked me what type the author was, <laughs> I thought to myself, oh, this would not be rocket science. <laughs> so you know, I just want people to know the names of your books. The Business of Being the Best, Inside the World of Go-Getters and Game Changers. Uh, next book, The Five Best Tools to Find Your Dream Career. Next title, Fearless at Work, Achieve Your Potential by Transforming Small Moments into Big Outcomes. That's, I mean, okay. <laughs> and then your, your latest book, which dropped January of 20, right? Yeah. Uh, energy Clock, Three Simple Steps to Create a Life Full of Energy and Live Your Best Every Day. Now, if, I, if someone just said to me, I'm just going to read you these titles and you tell me what type you think this author is, I gotta tell you, I would speculate, I would have put a, a year's wages on three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are so many buzzwords in here, go-getters, game changers, uh, five best tools, fearless, achieve, potential, uh, transforming, energy clock. I mean, it's just, it's, it's live your best. These are, these are big three themes, man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Big three themes. And, you know, when threes are healthy, they do some of the things that you're describing. Because in part, you're describing some healthy six behaviors. Okay. Um, for example, thinking about your team, uh, mm -hmm. letting them know that we're going to stick this out together, right? That's very healthy six behavior. That's um, <clears throat> caring more. It's, it's caring less about your success and what it's going to do to your business and getting mm -hmm. others to support it. Rather, what you're doing is saying, hey, we're a team. We're mm -hmm. a family. Uh, we're going to get through this. That is all six-like behavior. An unhealthy three would not be doing that stuff. Or even an average three wouldn't mm -hmm. be, be doing that stuff. So I'm really pleased to, to hear that. Yeah, no, I'm, I was very really glad to to hear that that's where you were um you were coming from but i also wonder you know because threes are not naturally self-reflective eights aren't right. threes aren't they don't have nearly as rich an inner dialogue as let's say fours do fours mm -hmm. you know, nines do too but differently um yeah. threes are very externally focused you know mm -hmm. that they, mm -hmm. they're dealing with what's outside them less than what's inside of them going mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. in their workspace they're concerned more with surfaces than with substance mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right sure. so i just want to know in the last seven months if through your enneagram self-knowledge mm -hmm. you have found yourself beginning to have internal conversations with yourself about your own growth uh depth um identity any of any of those things well, I mean, I think one of the things that I'm constantly, uh, that I struggle with is, you know, learning how to relax. And I mean, it is, uh, I just not very good at it. And, you know, so I've tried lots of things, right? I've tried, you know, I've tried meditating and, you know, I would love your advice. I'll flip this on you and try to get some, you know, uh, advice here, but 
is, is it is really, really, uh, I just, I know from all the research I do and the reading I do and the incredible people that I get to talk to on, on my own podcast that there's so many benefits to it, but I don't know. I just, uh, I have a really hard time doing it. And, and, and I'm really, really disciplined. So I've got to figure that out because I do think it would help quiet my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, and and the other thing, um, that I find myself saying is I'm not very creative. I'll say that at times. And as I've read through, uh, you know, kind of the Enneagram book, it talks about how healthy threes are, are really leaning into that creativity. And, And I reflect on moments in my life where I've had the opportunity to do things that are more you know, maybe what you would deem as creative, right? And that, you know, we bought a little cottage in Northern Michigan and I, I sort of helped, dec- you know, I decorated that cottage and normally I would hand that off or not. And I leaned right into it and I had a great time. And um, so I reflected on that a little bit uh, to your point. So I, I think the things that I'm trying to learn how to get better at is to pause. And, you know, one of the gifts of my mom being in town when we were navigating her breast cancer was we would go on a walk every day. I mean, she loved to get out and go for a little bit of a walk and it was super low key. It wasn't the exercise for me for the day. I tried to get my own workout in so that that became something that I could, you know, she, she walks at a, at a nice pace, but she's 78. And so she's not flying. And, um, and that was so good to do. And so my husband and I have been trying to do that every afternoon, go on a walk together. And sometimes it's a struggle for me because I've got all these things I want to do. And uh, really what I should do is park it and, and go on a walk. And yeah. I would say more than half the time I, I do walk, I do go on the walk, but I probably should do it a hundred percent of the time. So I, I'd say I'd say a couple of things. I want to do. I do want to circle back to meditation because it's becoming an increasingly bigger theme. It's a it's a very important practice uh, in in my life, and it has been a challenge. Okay. Um, but I want to ask you another question before I hit it. Okay. So, what would you have to feel if you just stopped doing? Well, that's such a good question, you know, and I, uh, I, I just, I, I think, I, I don't know what I would feel. I mean, I don't know what I, you know, like when I go work out. So for example, um, I do on this mega reformer or when I do yoga and I do a good job of getting on that mat or getting on that reformer and not, you know, so I find like walking now, sometimes I won't put AirPods in if my husband's not with me and I'll just walk and I'll try to not let anything coming in and out of my head and just let it flow, you mm-hmm. know? That's great. Yep. So I'm trying to be more disciplined about that because my intention, my default mindset is learn, grow, get better, listen to a book on tape, whatever. And I'm like, no, just walk with nothing in your ears, you know? Amen. Uh, yeah. So Amen. I'm trying, you know, so, and when I do that, I mean, I just find my flaw, thoughts flow. Um, you know, I'm doing a better job of that in the morning, trying to like, when I wake up, just laying there for a little bit. And I find that, you know, I, that's not a designated meditation time in, but I do find that I, I do have some really clear ideas and thoughts in that window of time on things or anticipating conversations, a way to navigate a situation, Um, so I'm, I'm, when I, so to answer your question, when I am still, I, I find that it serves me well. So then the next question would be, well, then do it. Why don't you do it more? Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I, I don't know. So let me go back to my question. Okay. Um, I think for most types, I, I like to ask this of every type. I ask ones, the perfectionists, what if you... Um, suddenly had you, you suddenly stopped trying to improve yourself, others in the world, what feeling would come up for you that perhaps that way of being in the world is masking? Um, you know, so I'm a four, right? And yeah. I'm a therapist. I've had a lot of therapy. By the way, are you, are you in therapy with anybody? No, no. Have I'm you not. ever been in therapy with anybody? I haven't. No, but I haven't, no, but I, but I, and I have no uh, judgment on it. I think it's fantastic. Um, 
and I don't know if this is good or bad or right or wrong, but I, you know, I have such remarkable relationship with my friends, my, my mom, my dad, my brothers, my husband. I guess I feel like they know me so well. Um, I guess if I have really big stuff, I go to them. Mm-hmm. So, you, but I, I've never you, put the energy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things you might do, I, I'm a big believer in therapy, whether you have a problem or not. Okay. Right? Just to okay. have someone, a disinterested party, okay. someone who's got no skin in the game with whatever decisions you make, right? Yeah. They, they, sure. they're just there to help kind of parse your life a little bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for someone like you, uh, going, let's say, do you know about on site workshops? Well, I mean, like, we, I think so, because we deliver them. Okay. No, Do you mean on-site, like on-site workshops, live programming like that? or No, on-site workshops is, uh, on-site is actually a, a place. Here Got it, it's a brand, okay. Uh, it's run by a guy named Miles Adcox, and they have this thing called the Living Centered Program, and it's a five-day, sort of a deep dive into your heart, into your life. Okay. And, um, you know, it'd be one of those things, particularly at this stage in life, where you're like, you know, I want to do some interior work. And, but I don't quite know where to start. I don't quite know what to do. Maybe okay. this would be a good jump start. You know, I would recommend that, that you do that. And as I say it to you, I say it to threes. You know what I mean? I could say okay. it to all types. But Got it. Okay. It would, it would actually bring you to a grinding halt. Really? Okay. So, th- so that, and there's a lot you do there. So it's a full day, trust me, night and okay. day. Okay. Okay. Of work. But what it would do is jumpstart you perhaps on a deeper journey into your interior world. And I would say this to threes of all kinds, you know, like find a spiritual director, find a therapist, um, you know, um, walk into a therapist's office and say, I don't know why I'm here, except I just want to grow, you know? Okay. And, and they would probably go, well, that's interesting. Normally people <laughs> arrive with a problem right. and maybe, m- maybe the problem for you is I just don't know where to start. Right. You know, I guess I always thought that you went to therapy if something was wrong. Right. But what if we framed out the idea that you're not knowing um, because you're, you're not naturally self-reflective about let's say matters of um, Mm -hmm. how would I say this? Not matters of the heart, but, but around feelings feelings are for threes are hard to recognize in themselves and in others. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they really, they have trouble kind of, um, it's a little bit like pesto and pasta, you know, they're kind of going through it. You had to try and clean each strand, you know, and then you can yeah. put it back in the bowl. <laughs> and, you know, you know, for me, it's not, you know, I can walk into a therapist's office and come up with 30 things to talk about. You know, they don't have, they don't have, they don't have much work to do with me around, you know. Um, I, your therapist, they must be good. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but placing yourself, yeah, thank you, Anthony, Jeez. placing yourself in, in, placing yourself as a three in environments right. where you have to do inner work. Okay. Because the life of a three is generally been focused for decades, their lives on external work. Yes. So for you to find weekends of, you know, sort of self-development weekends and offline you, I could recommend some to you, but onsite would be a great, a great example. And I can certainly hook you up with Miles Adcox who runs uh, onsite and uh, Anthony, uh, you actually, you just recently did sort of a self-development week and it was very meaningful for you, right? Absolutely. And I was going to say, I mean, onsite is so great. Uh, I mean, the thing that would be helpful, I think for you, like Ian saying, as someone who's, typically focused outward, it's an opportunity to take a, a, a full day or a weekend uh, where you're doing self-awareness work. But one of the great things is you are typically in a group with other people who, like Ian is saying, don't have any skin in the game. They're, they don't have any codependency with you. So they will tell yeah. you the truth about yourself in terms of they will mirror and tell you the truth in terms of what they're observing. And it just gives you an opportunity to see things that you otherwise you really kind of wouldn't see. So really right. helpful. So does it sort of help you see some blind spots? Yes. Very much so, yeah. Okay. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. It, it's going to get you in touch with perhaps pain and trauma that you didn't realize was actually governing your life from the shadows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know for a three, it's like, 
I really, that does not sound sexy at all. <laughs> you know, if you say that to me, I'm like, how much does it cost? Do I have to borrow money to do it? That's fine. I'll do it, you know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be about inner work. And I think that's so much of what threes are challenged to do, um, to uh, get off the treadmill Especially in, in our season of life, you know, you're younger than I am, but you're still at that, you know, sort of mid-stage, right? And you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're thinking to yourself, the questions have to change. The questions mm-hmm. have to move, I think, from what can I accomplish? What can I prove? What can I mm-hmm. achieve? Um, who, do I have to, uh, who do I have to beat and win? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. to other questions in that part of life, like, am I, who am I? which is mm-hmm. a big question for twos, threes, and fours. Who am I really? Mm-hmm. Who am I beyond the brand Molly Fletcher? Mm-hmm. Who am I beyond uh, my self-presentation as an attractive, athletic, go-getter, game-changer, transformative person who nails big outcomes? Who is underneath that? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the irony is, I think, that as you do that kind of internal work, you will change in a way that it's not going to make you less productive, but it's going to make you more human and productive. Yes. Um, you, you'll become less of a, um, well, here's a cliche or trope. We stay in therapy so often that it's, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but you will become more of a human being than a human doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think especially in the second half of life, that is so important to, to, answer bigger, different questions than you were asking in the first half of life. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing I think that's so important too about what you're getting at, Ian, is the reason it's so important to get underneath and find out what you're feeling is because when you find out what your heart is feeling, it informs you of your needs, right? So when you, you realize, wow, I'm really feeling this and I wasn't aware of it, Mm-hmm. And then it informs you of, it, it allows you to ask for something that you didn't know you needed to ask for before that. Mm-hmm. So it really, it really informs you in a what your heart and your feelings can inform you of something that your mind cannot, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your heart has its own way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so uh, it's important to get into conversation with it. I had a lawyer uh, I worked with who was a three and he actually had just, re- he just retired. And he, he said, I'm a three. And I said, well, tell me what your life is like now. He had done a lot of work on himself. His name is David. He says, I get up in the morning and I decide I'm going to go out and uh, do a little Daviding. And I said, what does that mean? <laughs> I said, he said, you know, I became the senior partner of a gigantic law firm. I, I nearly killed myself doing it. I never really liked it that much, but I felt that that was what was going to please my parents if I made a ton of money and be, they wanted me to be a lawyer, blah, blah. That was the, tr- that was the track at that age, you know, mm-hmm. in the college I went to. I think he went to Yale or Harvard. Mm-hmm. And he said, but now I'm just learning about me and about God and about life. And here's, this is going to sound morbid, but it's a great question. And, and um, uh, how do I want to die? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who do sure. I want to be when I, when I die, mm-hmm. which is a great end of the game. You know, what do I want my eulogy to be? Mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. because just saying, totally. You know, if, if your eulogy is a resume, that sucks. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, no, I mean, and I feel like I on site, I'd love to look into, and I was fortunate about three years ago, I went to human performance Institute Jim Lair has always been somebody I've admired because he, you know, was one of the, he's really one of the world-renowned sports psychologists, particularly for tennis, which was my sport. So I always knew his name and looked up to him. And, and that, was a, that was where I sort of wrote my life's purpose. I spent a little bit of time, and it was really one of the first times that I really started to understand the difference between fulfillment and achievement. Ooh, tell me about that. Good. Well, it was just, you know, I traditionally was all about achievement. And, you know, I'm not suggesting at all that there's not more work to do there. But I, what I found was there's a really big difference between those two words. <clears throat> and, and I've grown now to really despise the word achievement. 
Okay, hold on a second. Tell me what the difference is. Define fulfillment versus achievement. Well, to me, achievement is is accomplishing something, but it comes and goes and it ends. And and I'll tell a story about that. And 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 to me, fulfillment is is things like joy. Um, Mm. It's it's connecting to the things that really matter most um, in your life. In other words, you can't achieve being the greatest wife in the world. You can't achieve being the greatest mom in the world or the greatest daughter in the world. But what you can do is sort of say, how can I ensure that I'm um, joyful in the way that I'm navigating this journey and and sort of contributing to the lives of these people in a way that matters most. And and it, and it it was a bit of a, what are you really chasing a moment for me of getting really clear on, on that. Because as an agent, when I was a sports agent, I watched the chase and I was in the chase. I was chasing, you know, people that are really hard to get in front of uh, and, and, and securing them. Right. I mean, it was tons of sort of achievement, if you will. Right. Um, so so I, I, I try to spend time making sure that I'm chasing the right things, making sure that I'm living a life that aligns with the things that matter most to me, that is fulfilling, that it isn't achieving. Because I know really from my work with Jim that, I mean, I could go on and on about the number of athletes in the world who were number one in the world, married to a supermodel, you know, (laughs) and totally miserable. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's and, I, Andre Agassi would be a great example. Uh, yeah, That's who I was thinking of who talks about in his book, you know, I was sold a bill of goods, right? I was told a lie that winning solves all these problems and makes you happy. And it doesn't, you know? Yeah. Andre Agassi, when I'm giving lectures or uh-huh. workshops on the Enneagram, yep. he is the story I tell about threes. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. Here he's got this father. Yeah. The quote from the book, I think this is pretty close. He says, my father could not tell the difference between his love for tennis and his love for me. Awful. And that is a perfect, and and threes hear messages like that explicitly or implicitly, Mm -hmm. real or perceived. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the parent will send that message with the best of intentions. Sure. So it's not like, I'm going to, this is how I want to screw my kid up. You know, I mean, it's it's like parents, you know, I'm always telling, I tell my kids all the time, you know, when we had you, we were still growing up. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And, and and now at 50 something, I'm still growing up, you know, so don't expect perfection from me, you know? Right. But, but in his story, what the message he received as many threes do is it's not okay for me to have my own identity and feelings. Mm-hmm. In other words, I, I have to take on the identity of the person that the important people in my life want me to become. Mm-hmm. And I'm not allowed to have my own feelings about what I really want to do in life. You know, like, mm-hmm. remember he said he wanted to be a soccer player. Mm-hmm. He never wanted to be a tennis player. Right. Oh, I know. You know? Well, I know. And, 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 and I think it's so interesting when you asked him when he was maybe 18, why do you play tennis? Andre would say, because it's what my dad wants me to do. It's because I'm what I'm supposed to do. It's because I'm what I expected to do. And now, you know, I think if you asked him or later in his career, if you asked him, why do you play tennis? He would say, so that I can make money and provide for these underprivileged kids and the work that he's done now with Steffi Graf. Um, so to me, his, he shifted his why. And when he did that, he became more fulfilled. He became more connected to what tennis was for him, which was a platform to give back to underprivileged kids, not a place mm-hmm. to make a lot of money or win or you right. know, any of those things. But in the middle of his career, he does an advertisement uh, in which he gets out of a Lamborghini. Yes. Remember this? Yes. And he takes off his glasses and he says, <laughs> image is everything. <laughs> and that is about as three a statement, a, 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 a lacking self-aware three statement as you're ever going to hear yeah. is image is everything. Yeah. You know? mm. yeah. So you can see this trajectory in that three's life of that tennis star's life where I got to do what my dad says uh, and become this persona mm-hmm. because otherwise he won't love me. Mm-hmm. So I have to, and I have to achieve, achieve, achieve and win and win and win mm-hmm. because if I don't, 
He won't mm-hmm. love or be proud of me. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to have the identity I want. Mm-hmm. I have to have the identity he wants me to have of the achiever and winner. So a lot of times threes, I'm not saying you, oftentimes have parents who see their children as an extension of themselves. Mm-hmm. And the child's success is, the, is, the, is a reflection on the parents, right? Mm-hmm. Talents and success. Sure. As a, as oh, totally. And, and so the kid picks that up in the, in the air, in the atmosphere, in the house. And they're like, my feelings don't matter about what I want to do. The only, my parents or my coaches or my peers or whoever, my teachers, their feelings matter more than mine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to shape my identity around what it is others want me to achieve at and then go crush it. Now, as mm-hmm. was the case with Agassiz, yeah. for most threes, they have to hit a big fat wall mm. before mm. they begin to do their inner work. And of course he did with drugs. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. And exactly. that was at the end of his career. Uh, I, think I think it was. See now, I would love to ask Andre Agassi, what feeling did you have to feel once you stopped? And um, I think one of the feelings that threes mm-hmm. would feel come mm-hmm. up is grief. Uh-huh. When you say when he stopped, meaning stopped playing tennis or stopped doing drugs? Well, when he hit the wall. Yeah. You know? Okay. Like, the wall, like sure. the, yeah, because the gig's up. Oh, right. What's the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like when, the, when a three hits the bottom and there's no – tamping down the feelings like what what primary feeling is like sort of hiding behind all this need for achievement and i think for threes it would be grief and shame Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh sadness about like i can remember a conversation with a three once where i said you must have loved your mother so much to have abandoned who you really were to become the person she wanted you to become, you must have loved her so much mm-hmm. to do that, make that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And the tears just came. Oh, uh-huh. You know, because that person had abandoned themselves to live for their mother. To become the person that and to achieve and perform and achieve and perform. It's almost like even at 40, mom is gone. And it's like, do I have, do I know? for sure that you really love me, that you're really proud of me, or do I have to continue Mm -hmm. on this journey of, of making sure, making sure, making Mm -hmm. sure, or, Mm -hmm. and of course then threes extend that out Mm -hmm. to the whole world, not just to their parents. It's like they're doing this game for the whole world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Uh, uh, Is that a question? I don't know. I don't. I'm a therapist. Sometimes I just stop and wait to see if you think it's a question. (laughs) There's there's power in the pause. Yes, big power. Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I I I actually re-listened to our podcast uh, before this earlier today when I was driving around because I needed to be efficient. While I was doing that, you know what I mean. <laughs> you were doing errands and listening, and doing yoga. In the you were also doing yoga in the front seat of the car while you were driving. And it was interesting because one of the questions you asked me last time is, "What were you afraid of?" Right? Because I talked about wanting to make my parents proud, and uh, you know, and I said, "Well, it wasn't that my parents wouldn't love me because they do, and it's our our relationship is unbelievable." But but it what you know, it's funny. It made me think about. I think probably uh, it, it was that they would be, and I said this on that, on that, in that conversation, that they would be more proud of my brothers than me. Hmm. And, and I think that uh, as I reflected on our conversation, I do think that was, that, that's something that at some level maybe drove, I, I think one of my brothers is definitely a three, two. And I think we both, you know, I mean, this morning I'm on the phone with my brother my dad calls my brother back. My brother merges my dad in. I mean, we're 48 and 52 and three. We talk to my parents every day. And my dad said, well, I thought I would call you back, Jim. And I said, yeah, dad, thanks for clarifying. Cause I know you would never call Jimmy before you'd call me. You know, mm-hmm. like here we are. I mean, we still wow. sort of compete. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's, it, it's at, at some level it is uh, a humorous fun nibbling and it makes my parents feel good because we do uh show them i think so much regard 
and respect and love. So at some level, I think we're joking, but at some level it is interesting because I think we're both, we're both chasing that, making sure our parents are proud of us at some level. Although I think we've settled out on that a little bit. Yeah. I love what you just said. And I really appreciate the fact that that took some vulnerability to share that. And you, you know, there's no one path toward our becoming who we are, right? It's not like every three has the same story, but I think what you just described is a variant of a story that is uh, probably not typical of a three, but not atypical of a three, right? It, it's, it's a variant of the story. It, it's as though, okay, I know that in your home, competing was uh, a really high value, right? Mm -hmm. And in tennis and in grades, and you have a three brother, and mm -hmm. you're the only girl, big dynamic. Mm -hmm. That's a sure. huge dynamic. Okay. Um, and, you know, what are you all competing for? Well, at some level, I have to believe, Molly, that you're, it, it's the approval, the pride, yeah. the love. It's, you know what it is? It's like a scarcity mindset in the mind of a child. It's like yeah. only so much love and pride. Yeah, you talk about that. I need that, to yeah. get a piece of that pie. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be equal or or more. I got to yeah. do more or be equal at least to yeah. what my brothers are getting. Sure. And that can launch the three out on the same journey that Andre Agassi went on, that, uh, you know, I've countless other threes. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make your parents or your family bad. Yeah. Oh, sure. For some people, trauma and bad things happen. That's what launches them. Yeah. But we all get launched on a journey in this broken world and we all adopt broken stories. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? And it, yeah. It's interesting too. Like when you think about Agassi or, you know, my, my brother, my dad went to flight school and didn't make it. And then he really, really uh, wanted my brothers to be pilots. And I don't, and I think it was a little bit of, you know, they're going to do this and they're both now pilots, one for Delta, one for UPS. And they're, one was a, you know, fighter pilot. I mean, they're, they've done incredibly well in that and love it. Um, and it's been a, it's been great for them. Um, and it's interesting because I don't know if he thought I really don't know if because I was a woman, I, I don't know why I was not pegged to take that path either, you know? So I think at some level, um, they were sort of this prodigy to, to, to launch into this pilot space that my dad never, um, but they never pushed me. It was interesting. Um, and so I think, I don't know if I pushed myself to, uh, you know, at, at that time in my life, probably to think, I'm going to achieve more than them. Um, you know, I think I told that story or maybe I didn't, but the last time, Oh, I did when I played tennis and I said, I'll beat all of you one day. I think I told that story last time, but so it's just an, it, you know, you, it's, it's an interesting dynamic of how much of a driver was that uh, for me. And it might've been a significant driver. And see, these are the kinds of interior conversations that we're talking about Yeah. that, that can be accelerated at a place like onsite or with a therapist, right? Uh -huh. it, sure. Because you know what? It's very hard for us. We're not transparent. We're not fishbowls. So we can't look inside of ourselves alone all the time and figure mm -hmm. out what's mm -hmm. going on. We need the help of a, of a group or a person to come alongside us and ask us important questions about things. But when you were just describing that about your dad wanting them to, you know, he didn't become a pilot. He wanted them to become pilots I won't go down that road because that's in my mind, that's problematic. Honestly, I'm glad they're happy, but usually asking your children to live your unlived life mm -hmm. is not a good thing. Yeah, sure. And does not sure. always end well. Cause sometimes uh, a kid who has done that will arrive at 55 or 60 and say, you know, I never really wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I ended up doing this because I felt this pressure and behind the pressure was the love factor, mm -hmm. the love and pride factor. I was mm -hmm. looking for the smile. I was looking mm -hmm. for the joy in my father's eyes, mm -hmm. but I wasn't actually becoming the person I wanted to become. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so my destiny became fulfilling the unfulfilled destiny of my father. It's interesting though. I don't, you know, it's funny. It was actually just when my folks were just here that I really put together that he hadn't made it through fight school. Like he didn't talk about it a lot at all. It wasn't, um, 
it was, it was, so it wasn't, I, I guess, I don't know how much that dotted line was connected between those two super clearly. Um, and it does feel, I mean, both of them are very, very happy. Great. Um, which is wonderful, but I, I could, I can totally agree with you. I mean, I've seen that as a parent now today in my own life, right? Seeing these parents that live through their kids in sports, I see it all the time. And it makes me crazy because to me, it's so unhealthy um, just because sports can be such a powerful metaphor for life. And so when I see parents living through their children, it always breaks my heart uh, because it is, and I agree with you, good for the kids, but, but yeah, that's, um, yeah. So that's really, you know, that's, that's interesting. Um, I'd love to ask a question Yeah, Jeff. As, you're, as you're talking, just as you're talking about parenting mm-hmm. and I, I do want to highlight this and it's, I don't have a lot of data to pull on, but just as a casual observer from, our last conversation to this conversation, like the RPMs, like sort of the inner RPMs, you seem way more relaxed and at peace. So I want, I wonder if it's some of your, the self-awareness that you've gained, if it's COVID or whatever, but you just mentioned parenting. And I just wonder as you've tapped more into your threeness, how has it affected you as a parent? What has it done for you? Like in the home? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I have to be really aware of that driver mindset mm-hmm. um, and be attentive to that um, mm-hmm. because, and, and honor the way my girls, it's three girls, 16, 16, 17, the way they show up, mm-hmm. what fills them up mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they're, they're different. You know, I think I have an eight, I think I have a three and I think I have a, maybe a four and I think my husband's six, you know? So, um, so I I try to honor the way that they show up. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that I need to be sensitive to, um, this do it right now mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, can you fold the laundry upstairs? And then an hour and a half later, I walk by and it's not folded. Hey, you know, you can watch videos later. (laughs) Let's knock the laundry out, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, you know, it's noon. I asked you to empty the dishwasher this morning. What's up? I need right. to be at some, you know, at some level respectful and gentle while also being a parent inside of that sure. journey, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah. um, uh, it's, it's something I've got to probably continue to work on and be aware of. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's a great question, Anthony. And I just well, I want to circle yeah. back and just – make one observation and then we have to wrap up even though I don't want to, but we have to. Um, <laughs> when you were talking about flight school earlier and that, you know, mm-hmm. your dad was talking about, you know, I want, I want you guys to be pilots and you were sure. wondering, well, why didn't he want me to be a pilot? Uh-huh. And I just have to tell you that when you said it, as I, as I looked at your face and as I considered it myself, what the experience might've been like for you, it made me really sad. Oh, okay. Why? Putting myself in your shoes, the questions that might have come to my mind unconsciously, subconsciously, Uh Uh might have been, why aren't you asking me, do do you not think I have the same skills? Uh Do you you think that I'm not, um, am I less important to you that... Uh you know, or are you sexist because you think only boys can be pilots? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it, you, you know where I'm going? Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. a competitive, assertive woman and mm-hmm. capable woman like you might have been like, all right, now I got to work even harder. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, here's mm-hmm. one more reason I got to work harder because what this indicates to me is my dad has m- more faith in them or more appreciation for their gifts. Why do I, like maybe I just say this, why do I feel less visible to mm-hmm. my father than my brothers? Yeah, except I, I wasn't, like, I, I'm, he was at my tennis matches. Um, he was a pharmaceutical sales rep, so he was home a lot when I got home from school and super present. You know, he would play basketball with me in the driveway. I mean, I never felt like I was less visible to him. Um, and I don't know, I guess probably the story I told myself is, 
I'm not as OCD as those guys. Uh, I'm afraid of heights anyway, so it's probably a good thing. <laughs> well, that's more data for me to view it. Okay. All right. Well, listen, and, we got to. And my mom was so amazing and a female leader that I think I, I leaned into that. And, and I, I don't know. I, it's interesting that you say that, but it did, so, I guess it didn't make me sad, to be honest. <laughs> okay, great. I'm just making an observation. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Sometimes they're on, sometimes they're not. Sometimes yeah. they come up for a person later on as being right, but, but not in the moment. Um, yeah. So a couple of just conclusions, you know, as right, we, we wrap up this conversation. One is I agree with Anthony. You seem far more chill. I don't know if that's COVID, uh, two margaritas in the morning or, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't know what's going on over there. But a couple <laughs> of suggestions for you. One is, if you haven't done this already, this would be a fun COVID exercise. And it's okay. going to sound self-promotional, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. You should get a, I'll send you a couple of copies of The Road Back to You. Okay. I love and that have, book. And have everybody in the house read it. Okay. Okay. You can be a three and assign it. There we go. Okay. That'd be All great. right. And with a deadline <laughs> date, please have notes in the margins. <laughs> have everybody self-identify what their type is. Okay. And then, and then begin to, it, it will, I bet you, it naturally will become an amazing conversation around the house. Oh, this is why. Oh, that is why. Or mm -hmm. you know, as you all go on a journey of self-discovery, now you got a group. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll suddenly have a new a vernacular with which you can talk to each other about your interior worlds. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, that would be an amazing thing for folks to do. Um, whether you choose to use my book or another, I'm actually obviously biased toward mine because it's a primer, you know, it's a, it's a beginner's book. But I think if all of the family read it and self-identified, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. conversations, amazing conversations. I, uh, you know, I, well, first, thank you for that. That's kind of you. And I um, absolutely love your book. I, I mean, I really do. The way that you wrote that book makes it so easy to consume. Like even my daughters aren't crazy avid readers, but I think I can sell that in. Right. And it's a fun read, but it's been powerful. And I, at one little quick nugget on that, you know, sixes sort of have that skepticism a little bit, if I recall. And, you know, a lot of the times when my daughter's boyfriend wants to come over or she wants to go over there and he asks a lot of questions or he doubts or he thinks, you know, it's, it creates a platform for the conversation around the mindset of a six, the way that they're wired and that it's coming from a place of love. It's just the wiring at some level. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so it, it does prove to be so, I, I, I mean, and that's just one little tiny. So I'm excited to do that. That'll be awesome. Did you ever, did you ever read, this is my second assignment. Did you ever read falling upward of spirituality for the second half of life? No. Okay. So it's by Richard Rohr. Okay. R-O-H-R. Okay. And it's called, the title is Falling Upward, A Spirituality for the Two Halves of Life. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a book I recommend to every three. Um, and um, to, actually, I recommend it to lots of people, regardless yeah. of type. But I think it's particular point, particularly poignant for threes. And I do think that if everybody in the family read the book, self-identified, there would be a lot of laughter and conversation, and aha moments, epiphanies. Oh, that's that's why I do that, and that's why when you do that, it makes me anxious or angry. Or this is, and I think if if, if it's like my family or Anthony's family, it's a game changer. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got a lot to do. I've got to go to onsite. Yep. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the road back to you, and I've got falling upward. Well, listen, when you're ready to go to Onsite, which I hope that you do, I, I'm a good friend of the guy who owns it. His name is Miles Adcox, and I will, I will make a personal connection between the two of you, okay? Okay, okay. We'll, get you, we'll get you to the president, not, the, not to the admissions officer, okay? And I then uh, uh, I can't wait to have you on again because I, I love yeah. this continuing, evolving conversation with the three that's sort of – got some momentum behind their lives yeah. and uh, tell folks where they're, what's going on with you. you I just mentioned uh, your, your latest book, right? Which uh, 
is titled Energy Clock, Three Simple Steps to Create a Life Full of Energy and Live Your Best Every Day. Uh, you've got a podcast, right? I called. do, and I've had the pleasure of having you on, which is with Treat. It was fun. Uh, it was a treat. Uh, yes, Game Changers with Molly Fletcher, and that's been super fun, like like what you do. I mean, being able to talk to such interesting people and learn is so cool, and then share those conversations with the world. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then we're doing our Game Changer Negotiation Training Program and continuing to launch um, a few products here in the future so, so folks can kind of stay tuned. But all of that and more is just at mollyfletcher.com. Wow, great. Molly, we love having you on, and I can't wait till we have some time face-to-face. I know, I know. I was thinking about that today. I need to come to Nashville. Let's get past this COVID thing. I want everybody I to come to Nashville. I know. All right. <laughs> well, well, you guys are the best. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks so much. Well, uh, typology listeners, you know our sign-off. It's the great truth articulated by Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. Until next time, be well, everybody.